Eregion, Hollen, the land of the holly trees. It is, for my part, the best zone in the Lord of the Rings online. Broad and flat lands make for striking vistas framed by the mountains to the east and the downs to the west. The lands are empty save for birds and little other fauna and, of course, invading enemies all around. Every crook is dappled with crumbling ruins and might-have-beens. Even the river Cyrenon seems to have given up on these lands. There is only a dry clay bed where it should be. This place is a snapshot of Middle-earth and the decline that is the Third Age. As Legolas tells us in The Ring Goes South, the elves of this land were of a race strange to us of the sylvan folk, and the trees and the grass do not now remember them. Only I hear the stones lament them. Deep they delved us, fair they wrought us, high they builded us, but they are gone. They are gone. They sought the havens long ago. But I'm not here for sentiment or nostalgia, no. Like the invaders from Angmar and Isengard and even Dunland, I'm here for the precious. For in the way back of the Second Age, this stunningly beautiful region was home to a great civilization of crafters, elf and dwarf both. They made some rings, and we should talk about it. It's Tam Myrdine, and you are listening to Beneath Your Feet. We may not be able to hear the stones speak to us, but Gwingris, Ekad Eregion, Ekad Dunan, Delatham, Barad Morlos, and a handful of other unnamed decaying sites tell the tale. Let's ride through them together and remember their story. There was, in the middle of the Second Age of the Sun, a thriving elf nation here in Eregion. It had no name apart from the land that harbored it, but this nation was home, first and foremost, to a great society of crafters called the Gwaith in Myrdine, the folk of the Jewelsmiths. Following the collapse of Beleriand after the War of Wrath and the conclusion of the First Age, all the mighty holds of the High Elves of Middle-earth were gone. Gondolin, Osiriand, Himring, Doriath, and all the rest had been plunged into the sea, and the few remaining fair ones of the High Kindred of the Noldor retired to Linden under the kingship of Gilgalad. Before we go any further, let's recall that we only get the broad strokes of this period of history in the Appendices and the Silmarillion. Gandalf drops the name Eregion during the Shadow of the Past, but not much else. The rest is told, mostly, in the Unfinished Tales, and those are, get this, unfinished. And so canon at this point becomes a tad shaky, as far as it goes. What we can say without embellishment is that at some point, Celebrimbor, the grandson of the famous Fionor, strikes off from Linden for Holland, largely thanks to the prospect of working with Mithril, the mythical true silver of the dwarves. For Holland comes right up to the doorstep of Moria, and so did the elves, as Ekad Dunan, the camp of the Westgate, will attest. Celebrimbor and more of his people, including, famously, Celeborn and Galadriel, settled in these lands and threw up the buildings all around me. Bridges, towers, outposts, entire schools and libraries, and of course, forges. They're all quiet now, save for the shouts of seeking orcs and evil men. Why, though? Mithril is appealing in all, and the image of elves working side by side with dwarves makes for a happy story, but it runs a bit deeper than that. And as such, we too must go deeper into the histories of the world to strike the root of the issue. 
And when we do so, we find a common thread, the Vala they call Aule. I simply haven't the time for a full-on history lesson here. My trusty steed seems to be wearing out as I near Mirabelle and the forges. Suffice it to say that Aule was the god, little g, of Smithcraft. Such a fan of making stuff was he, the original DIY kid we might say, that he made his own people, the dwarves. Whether by their nature or their context, the Noldor elves took a liking to Aule as soon as they arrived in the far west and learned much from him, especially our boy Fionor. Therefore, whether with thanks to their inherent nature or something else, both dwarves and Noldor elves have a great taste for the forges, and where better to nurture this confluence than the lands right about the Misty Mountains, just outside the west gate of the great Dweradelf, where Mithril is to be found. The stage thus set, it's easy to feel what those elves and dwarves felt so long ago as I tour the remains of Tam Myrdine, the astonishing ring forges of this land. South of the lost city of Mirabel, across the river Glanduin, forge, school, and library stand seemingly propped up by the hills in their time-frozen glory. As an aside, Mirabel is referred to in the text as Austin Ethel, but as Lotro only has access to the Lord of the Rings and Hobbit books, that term is off-limits. So the developers had to do a bit of Cinderin conjugation and come up with new names as we'll see again shortly. Dulled white walls with golden minarets and doors as tall as Ents, even thousands of years of degradation do not diminish the greatness of this place. Perhaps it is the majesty of the Noldor who have seen the Undying Lands that give the halls their lingering magic, or perhaps it was a visit by a mysterious figure known as Anatar. Okay, he's called Anatar, but, like, not really. Again, due to legal restraints, Lotro had to rename Anatar, the Gift Giver, to Anathron, the Gift Lord. It's a mess, really, but the story remains the same. At some point in the history of Tamirdine and its people, a strange visitor appears in fair form. He offers the elves knowledge of jewelcraft that far surpasses their own and teaches them to make rings that will forestall the decay of time, that most hated foe of all the high elves. Nine great rings are made for men and seven for the dwarf lords. And then Anatar departs, returning to his own forges in Mordor because, yeah, it's Sauron in disguise. There's a mountain of lore here to jump into, not the least of which is original Lotro fiction from the epic first volume, the sad tale of Narmaleth, but I'll let you experience that for yourself. What's most interesting to me, as I stroll the decrepit ways of Tam Myrdine, is the mechanics of such smithcraft. We are, intentionally, never given a proper explanation of how all of this ring stuff, from the lesser rings, those essays that Gandalf describes to Frodo, all the way to the One Ring, actually works. And thank goodness Tolkien had sense enough to keep it mythical and mysterious. How many great contemporary fantasy stories get bogged down by pages and pages of explication on its magic system? I digress. It is based on the sole evidence of the role Mount Doom itself plays in the forging of the One, something to do with the power of the Earth itself. Primordial, ancient, wild, there is something there in the ground, beneath your feet if you will, that holds power greater even than Sauron. A somewhat indirect analog are the nameless, those ancient things existing far beneath the earth that, again to quote Gandalf, are even older than Sauron. Perhaps it was the knowledge of how one harnesses such might, 
learned in the bowels of Thangoradrim in ages past that the Dark Lord in the fair costume of Anatar brought to the elves. Such a gift is recalled in a tall and haunting mural painted on the walls of Tam Myrdine. We see Anatar, his one ring in the center, the image of which hovers over three more rings with elves on either side, unaware of their peril. Also across the river is the school at Tam Myrdine. We have no details of such a place, only faint hints. It has been sacked, as have the other ruins, by invaders searching for ring lore. It sits among the hills of Emin Nair, the Hills of Sorrow, and here we are left to dwell on the sad conclusion of the story of Tam Myrdine. Upon the departure of Anatar, Celebrimbor and his ilk made three final rings apart from him and unsullied by his influence. Meanwhile, the one ring crafted and his power appropriated, Anatar reveals himself as Sauron and marches openly into Eriador. He demands the three, along with all other rings from the elves of Tam Myrdine. They defy him and they are crushed. Celebrimbor is taken and made to reveal the locations of all the great rings save the three, and that is the end of the tale of Celebrimbor. As a tangent, Elrond is dispatched from Linden to help aid the Gwaith Imirdine. The dwarves of Khazadum, once partners of those elves, save face by harrying the armies of Mordor as they raise Eregion. Elrond and his army is turned back and forced to flee to a deep valley in the wells of the river Bruinen. This would one day be known as Rivendell where the last homely house would be built. Eregion and its forges at Tam Myrdine branded the history of Middle-earth in ways more directly felt than any other place. Simple, pleasant fields of holly and gentle foothills become an interface for the old world and the new, where the ripples begun by the Noldor ages ago in a sphere no longer accessible to mortal kind fanned out to their conclusion with a turn of events that would ultimately mean the end of Sauron, the last great existential threat to Middle-earth. Dwarf and elf came together, art and magic melded into one, resistance stoked tragedy, as it always does. In some ways, we are all scouring for ring lore, for knowledge to improve and preserve the world around us, if not only our position in it. And we would do well to remember Celebrimbor and the ring forges, and that not all knowledge is safe for mortal kind. Thank you for listening to Beneath Your Feet. For more information on the show, please visit anchor.fm slash L-O-T-R-O-B-Y-F. Any support, a review, a share, a donation is all very much appreciated. Beneath Your Feet is also available on YouTube. Search for Lotro Beneath Your Feet to listen to past episodes and watch current live streams. You can also join me live each month for the Beneath Your Feet research stream on twitch.tv slash lotrostream. With each show, we dive deep into a particular region of the Lord of the Rings online. We hunt for Easter eggs and talk lore for the upcoming podcast episode. Today's music comes from the Lord of the Rings online soundtrack. This episode was written and read by me. My name is Shoreless, and we'll see you next time when we go Beneath Your Feet. <laughs>